Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two, episode seven. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from my home in Rutherford County, the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, it is uh, April the 30th. We've been on lockdown for well over four weeks now uh, due to the COVID uh, virus outbreak and uh, the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, is starting to open things up. Um, they're starting uh, with a phased opening that's going on out there. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of folks complaining on both sides. People say it's too early. Some people say we have to get back to work. Let's just be considerate of each other, folks. Everybody's got different circumstances. And... Um, you know, we need to be considerate of each other's circumstances, but most importantly, we need to be looking out for each other's safety and health right now. Rural Tennessee um, is part of the fourth congressional district that I used to campaign in, and and uh, part of one of those counties is Bledsoe County over in Pikeville, Tennessee. They've had a massive breakout of the virus in the state prison that's there in Bledsoe County. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about rural issues and rural Tennessee issues with my guest, Mr. Matt Colvert. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and we'll be right back. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Man in the Middle podcast is being recorded remotely from two separate locations. Due to this fact, you may notice some dips or drops in audio quality. We're sorry about that, but we are thankful that you're still here listening. Daddy was a veteran, a Southern Democrat. They ought to get a rich man to vote like that singing. Song, song of the South. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind. There ain't nobody looking back again. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Man in the Middle Podcast. And joining me today is my guest, Mr. Matt Colvard. Matt is the vice chairman of the Bledsoe County Commission. He is a public school teacher uh, with the Bledsoe County Schools. He is a proud Democrat. He is a gun owner and an advocate for rural development in rural Tennessee. Matt, welcome to the man in the middle. Stephen, thank you for having me. It's not. It's a great pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, obviously, Matt, we're still practicing social distancing here a little bit in in Rutherford County. I know the governor has opened everything back up. Right. uh, But we're I'll tell you, I'm interested in Bledsoe County today, Matt. Um, We had the report out about the the prison. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Obviously, when I was a candidate for Congress, I got to know you and several good friends over in Pikeville and Bledsoe County. and know that the, the prison is a, a big employer there uh, in the county, and um, we know they've had a big outbreak of this virus, Matt, so could you could, could you talk to us a little bit about that and tell us what you know and what you can tell us, and, and how are the people of Bledsoe County doing? Well, you know, uh, the report card kind of came out today on how different states are, are doing. There's like, you know, an A scale to a, like maybe an F scale on the grade, and uh, 
if you see that report, uh, Bledsoe County was kind of in the green, so I think that we got to be. I think a lot of people, uh, of course, we're a rural, rural county and we're, we're spread out, low population. A lot of people are practicing it well. Uh, I can tell you with Bledsoe Correctional Complex, just what I know, I have two family members that are employed out there, and I can say that, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are practicing social distancing, but, you know, situation like this happens, you know, they're certainly in tight quarters and they are the first responders in that situation. And uh, I, I do know some people in the general public, they've talked and they discussed about, you know, maybe a worker transmitting the disease and, and bringing it in. And uh, I, I can't attest to that. I do know that the Bledsoe Correctional Complex is kind of the hub for registration of state prisoners all okay. across. The state. So odds are somebody from that bubble in Nashville, just from what I'm being told and what's being speculated, is probably how that virus got introduced to the complex. Yeah, well, that's they, obviously someone had to bring it in, right? And those guys are locked down. Uh, those men are right. locked down there in that prison. So th- does the prison house women too, Matt, or is it just a, a men's prison? They do. They, they do. And uh, uh-huh. I've, I've, I've been told, again, this is not official, but uh, the old Taft Youth Center campus is out there on those grounds. And I do believe that the isolated members of the population have been uh, put over there under supervision to try to, you know, cut this down to try to eliminate the spread of the virus. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about the state employees out there, Matt. You said you Absolutely. had a couple of uh, relatives there, and 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 uh, you know, um, uh, are, are, do the state employees have the protection that they need? Is the state of Tennessee taking care of our employees? Well, you know, I think around the Bledsoe County area, the Squatchy Valley area, a lot of people uh, like the new warden who is out there think that he's really tried to uh, get things in order and. You know, unfortunately, I feel like, you know, he may be a scapegoat on behalf of the, the state for not responding to this early and, and coming to it with the due attention that it certainly deserved. I know that, uh, you know, a lot of those shifts are long, and, and I've heard that maybe they were looking to some employees going on 30 days on, having 30 days off as far as the guards go. Again, this is uh, all just things that I've heard from members of the general public, but uh, the one thing that concerns me, and if you're on social media, on Facebook, there's a lot going around, and, you know, that's the fact that every person out there that's a member of the staff, especially the guards, the counselors, the medical professionals out there, they are first responders. You know, when something breaks out in that prison system, you know, if there's a fight or some type of disruption or, you know, medical emergency, they are the first responders. And uh, I think now's the time for, you know, Governor Lee to really take a look at giving these state employees that work at the prison hazardous duty pay. I think it's just common sense and something that needs to happen to uh, protect our families, especially with this disease, this unprecedented crisis, the economic turmoil. I think, you know, they're going to bat every single day, putting their life on the line and, you know, putting their families particularly in uh, a very strenuous situation. Yeah, that's, that's, 
that's got to be tough on their families that they go home to. Um, obviously, very similar to our nurses and doctors that are battling Absolutely. this on the front lines. These mm-hmm. folks are on the front lines, too. Absolutely. I know Tennesseans uh, and Americans and people in general, but prisons are probably the last people that, that everybody thought about with this right. virus going around. Right. But, but you know, the 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 people... The civilians, the the county residents of Bledsoe County that work at the prison, they're not prisoners. They're 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 citizens, and they they deserve protections and to Absolutely. be compensated. Yeah, I agree Absolutely. with you, Matt. Hundred percent. Yeah. Anything else on the prison, Matt? Do you think it's getting better, or do you think uh, do the residents feel like it's a bomb sitting out there, and they're just waiting on it to come into town, or or uh, you know, I would be nervous with that many. Well, cases. you know, a, a lot of people are. Just, you know, they, they talk to friends and family across the state, across the country, of course. I know as far as prisons, there's the New York Times report where out of all the prisons across America, I think Bledsoe's number seven in the COVID numbers for a prison population. And you look on the map, and a lot of people that are unfamiliar with the demographic here and the fact that the state prison is in Bledsoe County, you know, they, they look at that map and they say, what's going on in Bledsoe County? Why are those numbers so... So high. So, uh, you know, a lot of it's just damage control and letting friends and family know that, you know, hey, that that is the prison population. And when you take away the prison population, I think that you're looking at uh, less than 15 known cases of the citizen population here in Bledsoe County. Gotcha. So it's about average what everyone else is running in in the normal population. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, well, Matt, uh, I really appreciate that information on that because, you know, a lot, I made a lot of friends, including yourself, over in Bledsoe yeah. County, fine people in Pikeville. And uh, we just I, I, we just want to – it sure is. And we just want to make sure that there's anything we can do over here in Rutherford County that uh, to call anyone's attention to this. We, we'll certainly help you anytime we can. Uh, let, let's move on, Matt. Let's let's right. get let's get away from this virus for a little Good bit deal. because Good it deal. seems like that's what everybody's talking about, and there's really no way that you can get get around it. But um, you and I, Matt, we we are um, old school, what I would call an old school Democrat, Absolutely. and. Uh, uh, there's one guy that, that uh, people in Tennessee, now now here in Rutherford County, we don't have a lot of, uh, we've got probably 30% of the population will have no idea of who, who I'm about to ask you about uh, because they've just moved in here recently. But uh, Ned Ray McWhorter and, uh, and Shelby Reinhardt, let's talk about Ned Ray and Shelby and what they did uh, while, while, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but let's talk about that and, and what they stood for. And, and, and you're a Ned Ray Democrat. Is that right, Matt? Absolutely. You know, Ned Ray always had the quote that said, you know, give me a Nilla wafer and a jar of peanut butter and I'll go to work for you. <laughs> That's uh, right. That's right. He did. You know, when it comes to development across the state, especially infrastructure, roads, uh, the state park system, trying to uh, improve the educational system, uh, trying to take care of local government projects. You know, Ned Ray was a great man and a good governor. And I, and I talk to Republicans today that say, you know, hey, I had no problem going in and voting for Ned Ray McWhorter. And uh, something that started under Ned Ray and that Shelby Reinhardt is, very much responsible for is highway state highway 111 here in tennessee yes 
which uh, if you knew Highway 111 prior to the McWhorter administration, right. uh, it, it was what we would call a mule trail, right, man? Yeah, was- yeah. If you, if you listen to uh, Q97.3 in the Chattanooga area, uh, Roger Allen, while you DJ, has a tagline that says, if you remember when a hard, if you remember when a hard drive was a trip to Saudi Daisy, you're one of us. Yeah, right, and, uh, right, yeah, exactly, absolutely, yeah, and, and so, uh, right. Yeah. And so the geography of the area for the folks that haven't visited the the beautiful Sequatchie Valley, when this mm-hmm. is over with, I hope people will go to Pikeville and spend some money and get to know the people. It's a beautiful place. Uh, but but it, the geography there is very hilly, a lot of terrain there, mm-hmm. and so uh, and so infrastructure was extremely important thirty years very, ago. Very very much so, and of course one eleven, you know, connects people from Bledsoe through Dunlap, you know, over the mountain through uh, through Saudi Daisy, and uh, eventually, you know, it connects from <clears throat> from Dayton, I believe it's Highway twenty seven, gets you into Chattanooga. In about 45 minutes from uh, from Bledsoe County, and uh, we have a lot of people that leave Bledsoe County that work in Chattanooga, and it's uh, it's certainly made the trip a whole lot smoother. Right, and 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 so that kind of, this is kind of how it all ties in, right, Matt? I mean, it, uh, most there's there's not unfortunately there's not a lot of jobs in Bledsoe County. There's not a lot of industry there for the for there's not. Uh, folks that live there and, and so a vast majority of your population has to leave the county and that's uh, to to work and that's why the infrastructure is so important right absolutely uh-huh and and in addition uh, well that kind of leads to my next question matt have you seen much infrastructure investment in your area since ned ray mccorder was the governor 30 well, years ago you know it's interesting i remember uh there's highway 30 that'll uh take you in one direction, take you towards uh, Dayton, Tennessee. Of course, we have a lot of people. My father, he was a department manager over at Lazy Boy Chair Company for uh, almost 30 years. And, you know, we have a lot of people that are employed at uh, Lazy Boy, at uh, Suburban Manufacturing, and just different, uh, you know, factories and uh, manufacturing facilities mm-hmm. over there. So it, it's put bread and, you know, meat and taters. Uh, on, on the place. table. That's yeah. right. It's done mm-hmm. it for several people in this yep. county. I can attest to that. And, uh, you know, the Fall Creek Falls State Park System, which, uh, you know, the state has came in and they've tore down the old end, which, you know, that went up during Shelby Reinhardt's time. He was kind of the, uh, you know, political architect for getting that right. done. And, and I can yes, remember it, when, go yeah. ahead. Uh, and, and the park. Let, let's touch on that a little bit, Matt. On uh, what okay. you know, Shelby. What Shelby got the park going, and they have mm-hmm. about, if I remember correctly, it's somewhere around one point five, one point six million visitors every year to the park. There, I mean, it is the crown jewel of Tennessee Absolutely. State Parks. Yeah, Absolutely. That, that's a lot of people, Matt. That's a lot oh, of people. Yeah. That, that that's a, just a few less than visit Nashville, right? The tourists that come mm-hmm. to Nashville. Correct. Correct. And, you know, one thing we're trying to work on is uh, there's actually a park called the Head of the Sequatchie, and that's going up towards uh, Crossville, Tennessee, in the Cumberland Mountains. And there's a state park there where you can go up to the head of the Sequatchie River, which flows all the way uh, through Marion County, through, mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of Marion County. Now, Dumps actually, off in the Tennessee, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and speaking of Marion County, another mm-hmm. – 
another name there mm-hmm. that Shelby did something with is the Shelby Reinhardt Bridge. He sure did. Yes, Crosses absolutely. the Tennessee River into the state That's of right. Alabama, and that is a That's big right. that 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 is a very nice bridge that will be there for probably a hundred more years because it was oh, yeah. built built so soundly. If it's absolutely. maintained, if we can absolutely. maintain it, yeah, right. If if it's maintained, absolutely, right. Uh, you know, and uh, and here in Bledsoe County, one thing that I've went to bat for because you know I tell people that I'm an old school Democrat like you and. When it comes to area, when it comes to these issues like hazardous pay for our first responders, for our forestry workers, right. mind you, that don't get hazardous duty pay. When it comes to rebuilding our bridges, to paving sidewalks, to you know, doing a lot of the things that are needed, you know, when I talk to people about these issues, it doesn't come up, you know, Democrat. Republican. There's, there's quite a bit out there when it actually comes to good governance, working for the people that we agree on in this state. And, you know, if we turn off Facebook and, and turn off the media and we just talk about issues, you know, there's a lot of bipartisanship on the ground that is really out there amongst the people. I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I, you know, that's one of the things that I found when I was a candidate. And one of the reasons why we started this show is because we you know, most folks agree on about 80% of the issues. I say that right. over and over. There's only a couple of real big issues. Absolutely. Everything else is just spin and and uh, just, you know, negative, uh, negative criticism of the other side, uh, you know, uh, j- just right. straight up bias, right? And so let's talk about that, Matt. Let's talk, you know, the Democrats sure. have seen sure. better days in Tennessee. Well, you and that's I both true. lived long enough to, to, to know that and to have witnessed that. What are some of the things that the Tennessee Democratic Party can do to win, start winning? And now, you're, you're an elected official. You've been elected more I than am. once, correct? Mm-hmm. I, I am. I'm a two-term county commissioner and in this last, uh, term during my re-election of 2018, mm-hmm. I was for, I was fortunate and blessed to not have an opponent. And then uh, my my coach my my fellow commissioners they named me vice chairman of the commission in 2018, and I've been serving in that capacity uh, very fortunately ever since. And and you know unless you're a reasonable person i mean you know uh folks wouldn't do that man i mean that let's just i'm going to make an assumption here i already know the answer but uh bledsoe county's a strong trump country would would you agree with that oh absolutely so so how does a democrat like you get elected in strong trump country matt well you know when i talk to to democrats it's interesting when i talk and i'm 32 so when i talk to some of the people that are college age and that, that are more progressive, and then when I talk to some people that are you know, just fed up with bad governance and they're fed up with a lot of the malarkey and, and hogwash and, and the you know crony cronyism, you know the cleaning the swamp is, you know they say uh, a lot of people just really want good government. And when I talk to people about term limits, ending gerrymandering, you know having districts drawn out for you know, we actually have counties connected that are similar with demographics and other features, uh, you know, as far as representation goes. I, I find that, you know, a lot of people just want good, good, good. Yeah, they want competency and they want transparency. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, and, mm-hmm. 
and, 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 I, and yeah. I'll say this real quick. Uh, you know, one reason why Trump ran is because he was the outsider. You know, he was kind of oh, yeah. the wild card. And sure. unfortunately, you know, the Democrats, you know, elected Hillary Clinton, who had come from a prominent family. And the problem there is, you know, a lot of the Republicans said, we don't want another Bush. And they went another direction. Sure. And, you know, unfortunately, the... The, the layout, the political climate did not turn out the same way, unfortunately, for the Democrats. Right, right. And let's talk about the Democrats a little bit, Matt, because you, and I, you and I both agree uh, here in Tennessee, and I think this is probably true all over the country, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a big difference between uh, a Davidson County or a Rutherford County Democrat in a lot of right. cases than there is in a Bledsoe County Democrat. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about t- touch on that a little bit, Matt. Sure, uh, I would. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my my grandfather he was a uh, he was a state senator back in the nineteen fifties. Uh, worked with Governor Clement, who was there at the time, and uh, my grandmother she was the clerk and master for I think thirty two or, or thirty four years, and. Uh, I like to tell people I learned a lot about policy from both of them, but as far as trying to, to help people and trying to be accessible, uh, I really learned how to serve from my from my grandmother. And you know, they were they were Roosevelt Democrats. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my grandmother came down from Maine, and then my grandfather he was you know born and raised in Bledsoe County and grew up in a in a poor home. And he was fortunate enough to graduate high school. I think maybe there were less than 30 people in his graduating class. and uh, But, you know, the one thing that I think has always been within me is that, you know, Democrats seem to care about those that, uh, that have no voice. They care about the meat. But, you know, back on your topic, and not to go down a rabbit trail, I was talking about Bloodstone County. Our chairman of the party is mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, he's a gun owner like myself. He uh, he actually owns a gun range inside Bledsoe County. And, yeah, uh, they have chairman masters. of the party. So so I, I don't think he's going to be lined up to take anybody's guns. Do you, man? Oh, ab- absolutely <laughs> not. And and this is this has caused me some controversy, but uh, uh, I think it's it's definitely going to come up this summer or this fall in one of our commission meetings. I introduced. Uh, proposal for Bledsoe County to become a a Second Amendment county, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, what we're doing there is just basically a declaration, a statement, saying that we support the Second Amendment. And of course, Tennessee, being the political landscape it is, you know, the only language that we may include is that we would request that the state, the federal level, does not ban assault rifles or certain high capacity magazines right right and mm-hmm. uh, you know we're, we're not against common sense uh gun ownership you know we i mean i think the more time you spend at the range and you know how to dismantle the gun and clean it and, and respect the firearm you know I th- i'm one of these that absolutely thinks you know you have to answer for every shot that you would take or even think about taking in the line of defense well, it's just responsible ownership. I think that's really what most Democrats want is responsible, right. and a lot of Republicans. Uh, you know, uh, universal background checks are 
um, very popular even within the NRA. Uh, 70, 80 percent right. of the people um, believe in that. Did you see what happened in Michigan today, Matt? I have, I have not. Okay. Actually, well, a lot of folks stormed the Capitol there, and they were armed. And right. uh, and right. it's okay to carry um, a, a firearm into the state capitol in Michigan. Right. And, uh, and so it was a little um, unnerving, I guess you would say. Uh, Matt, do you think that folks should be able to, that Tennesseans, that, uh, folks from Bledsoe County should be able to walk into the state capitol in Nashville and carry a firearm? What do you think about that? Well... I'm a big fan of concealed carry. I think uh, I think a lot of people that carry for protection, they would imagine, you know, if they're in the situation that they had to do that, they would want to be very calm, very discreet, and would not want to draw attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I think concealed carry is one thing. I think showing up with with live rounds and uh, you know, hooping and hollering and, and acting crazy. I, you know, that's uh, that's a tough call right there. Right. But I, like I said, I, you know, when it comes to open carry versus concealed carry, mm-hmm. I support concealed carry. Matter of fact, I, I've written uh, congressmen and said, you know, I believe that Congress should make it to where if I can get a license, have range time, I think that, you know, if I can do those things, it's a very precious right. I think that I should be able to con- have a concealed carry permit, you know, that's valid under all the continuous states and the, uh, sure. you know, in all the U.S. territories. I, yeah. I think that makes sense. And, you know, it's for a smooth transfer with interstate commerce. And I just think that's something that, you know, if I can pass a background check or anybody can pass a background check and if they can complete some range time and, you know, they've got the documentation and the paperwork to say, hey, I know how to respect this firearm, and I'm a responsible owner. I think that they should have that right. I agree with you, Matt. I would like to see some sort of standardization, though, as far as uh, uh, states honoring other states' permits like that. I'd like to see a standardization. Let me tell you why. Because I know in Alabama, you just have to uh, send them an email, (laughs) and they'll send you one in the mail, right? Concealed permit in the mail. And and the thing that people got to realize is even in Heller versus D.C., you know, Scalia, uh, one of the most popular conservative justices of all time, you know, said that, you know, guns can still be regulated, but, you know, there were certain things that you couldn't do, uh, like banning, you know, arms being left in cars and, and so forth and, you know, different things like that. Right. We have a major issue with that here at Middle Tennessee, Matt, with a lot of folks leaving their firearms in their unlocked cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year so far, I want to say there were over 100, uh, maybe over 300 uh, cases of people having their guns stolen from their unlocked car. But but I right. think what we have to ask, Matt, is that responsible ownership uh, leaving? Know, I, yeah, right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, especially with, you know, guns are expensive. Any collector will tell you that. Uh, I know that myself. I couldn't imagine, one, not having a locked glove box, and two, not having a locked vehicle. You know, if I'm going to be away for quite some time, and it's just going to be their idol and, and by itself. Uh, I, right. I, I think he's got to use common sense. <laughs> I do too. So, so see, we've seen. I agree with you, buddy. That that sounds that sounds simple. I don't know. Uh, after this latest round of quarantining, I don't know how much common sense is left out there. But uh, right. 
Uh, I think that's questionable. But let's circle back to the Democrats yeah. and the and the identity crisis within the rural sure. de- the sure. rural Democrats and mm-hmm. the urban Democrats or the suburban Democrats. Absolutely, uh, there is a difference, isn't there, Matt? There is a difference, but there, but the there Demo- is a difference. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats are big tent, right, Matt? They're supposed to be the big tent party. I, I I've told people, and I think that the state Democrat Party has some great people on the ground. But at the leadership, at the very top, I just, I don't think that they get it. I've, I've told people the blueprint for how you win back rural areas. Is mm-hmm. You look at uh, Lincoln Davis, who used to be my congressman, used to be, uh, you know, in the district that you ran for. You look at Bart Gordon, and you look right. at John Mark Wendell out of Livingston, Tennessee, who was still the last rural Democrat in Tennessee. Yep. Uh, the two hot-button issues... And and I know this, just talking on the ground, again, this isn't just Matt Covered tooting his own horn. This is being on the ground, talking to a lot of people, networking, building relationships. A lot of Tennessee rural Democrats are pro-gun and they're pro-life. Yeah, that's right. And and, and those are just two issues Mm -hmm. where you have to be like that. You have to be for term limits. You have to be for good governance. You have to show up. Take the hard questions. Try to reach out to people. That's what it's going to take in order for Democrats to resonate again in the rural counties. Right, right. I agree with you, buddy. I agree with you. What are uh, what are some issues that that you know Republicans and Democrats? I've said this all along that that they're right. and you, we just said it. But what are some issues where Democrats and Republicans have common ground where we can get some things done or, or should right. be able to? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about my day. Uh, earlier okay. today, I, I volunteered actually for the first time at the food bank here in Bledsoe County. And, you know, when when people come together to help the community in that capacity and when you're serving those that are truly uh, grateful and thankful and, and in need like that to feed their families and to take care of their loved ones, all of a sudden, Democrat and Republican goes outside it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mm-hmm. think that, the, you know, I think community outreach is something in rural areas where we've, we've got to get back to uh, taking the gloves off and, and getting past that. But to, to go back to your question, what are some issues that they can focus on? I think infrastructure is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we talked earlier about hazardous duty pay. I'm certainly an advocate for that for uh like I said, our forestry workers, first responders, medical personnel, anybody that uh, I believe would qualify for that. I think uh, for good governance, you know, term limits, an end to gerrymandering, I think that's something they can find common ground on. And then I think there are also some issues that are out there that have not even been brought up, and, I, and I'll uh, elaborate on one of them. Tennessee passed, Tennessee mm-hmm. passed voter ID. Right. And, you know, a lot of people believe in that strongly. And mm-hmm. there are other countries that require some type of identification. I don't have a problem with that personally. What mm-hmm. I do have a problem with is that in counties such as Bledsoe and Van Buren County, you cannot obtain that photo ID that is needed to vote in the election. You have to go to a surrounding county that actually has, uh, the office and the funding. A, a DMV, that's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's uh, that's a hurdle, and some yeah. even argue a disenfranchisement to our voters. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if you're going to require that, then there should probably be a DMV in every single county. Would, would you agree absolutely. with that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or, you know, it wouldn't be that hard. And I know just over the past 10 years, a lot of the election administrators have gotten raises across the state as far as as far as that budget goes. And, you know, I don't think it would be that hard. They've already issued voter registration cards for years. I do not think that that would be that difficult of a task to implement that even into our election administration. Right. Well, and that's kind of leading where I was going, Matt. What do you think about mail-in ballots for this fall? Let, uh, let's say, uh, you know, the worst scenario that we are opening back up, we have to close back down again. Um, Absolutely. There are a lot of Americans that are willing. Now, now there are a lot of Americans that are not willing to risk their life over a hamburger. Right. But there's a lot of Americans willing to risk their life to vote and participate in in our democracy. And uh, what do you think about that, Matt? What do you think about mail-in ballots? Well, you know, I understand that some people have reservations about mail-in ballots, but you know, when I think about older voters or seniors who often are put on the back burner of these major issues, and we'll, we'll get to health care in a minute, so keep sure. that one out there so we can touch yep. on it. Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, and back, lost my train of thought right there, when it comes to mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. I think that the older population, are, you know, the ones that are going to be at risk, the ones mm-hmm. that have compromised immune systems, uh, I think that it's going to be beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger people, I, I, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really a tough issue. I think that uh, depending on demographic, if you go by age, I think that different generational views and constructs kind of mm-hmm. determine how you see that issue. But sure. I, I will say that I do think that it is beneficial for our seniors and for our older voters that, you know, are potentially going to be compromised and don't want any more exposure to this virus. Then they have to have, yeah. Right. I, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see where this goes and if there are any lawsuits or legalities over this. I think that some states have gone. Uh, Kentucky. Uh, yeah. uh, Kentucky already passed it, or they didn't. I think it was an executive order from the governor. I don't know how that stands up in court. But, right. uh, uh, but anyway, I know Kentucky's... Uh, uh, going to do mail-in ballots, and I honestly, Matt, I think that's bad news for Mitch McConnell, don't you? I mean, that's hey, uh, yeah. it, it might be. I think well, it's interesting. You know, I, I see memes and stuff out there, and you know, a lot of these memes about uh, career politicians. Uh, it won't just have Nancy Pelosi's picture; it's Mitch McConnell right there with her. So you know, there, there's there's no love lost. You know, right there for a lot of uh, a lot of people that are set up with career politicians on both sides of the aisle. I, I really think that that has a back back to your point earlier about a lot of people don't really care about the party. They just don't want a career politician to stay in there for 20 years. I think that has absolutely. a lot a lot to do with it absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about health care, Matt. Let's talk about mm-hmm. rural health care. Um, I, I think it's really hard to say this because of what's going on in Bledsoe right. County right now, but I think for the most part, uh, we haven't gotten hit that hard yet uh, by this virus. I mean, I think that oh, it's really hard to know, but the limited testing, the right. um, all of the varieties of ways that they want to count positive, negative, you know, uh, uh, death uh, certificates, all of that. Correct. But 
but let's talk about Matt. It wouldn't take much to overwhelm the health care system in Bledsoe County, would it? Absolutely not. Very, very few beds, and you know, most people that have major issues. We have a great life force mm-hmm. uh, system with Erlanger, and you know, they are being sent to Erlanger mm-hmm. uh, to to a major medical center. You know, with any type of of serious treatment. So yes, it would not take much uh, for them to certainly be in over their head. Right, right. A hundred cases would be uh, could be bad news for for oh, yeah. a place like Bledsoe County. Oh sure. yeah, that, it, it could be you know very detrimental. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more, Matt. Well, right. um, rural Tennesseans have really. Uh, suffered the brunt of the lack of expansion of of Medicaid in the state of Tennessee. Um, How much more can rural Tennesseans take? I really don't know the answer to that. I know a crisis like now has really showed us just how underfunded, how underprepared. And when I say underprepared, it's not for a lack of dedicated workers and administrators, but when it comes to funding and when it comes to you know, having the same resources that Vanderbilt or even Erlanger or Chattanooga or, you know, some of these major medical facilities have, uh, we just we just can't compete. And, uh, of course, there's been a lot of hospital closures. And, uh, you know, you talked about one issue that we talk, we're talking about health care. Let's just open that up a little bit. Uh, my state representative, who's a Republican, Ron Travis, he introduced legislation uh in the General Assembly this past go-around to expand Medicaid. Yeah, I saw that. I think we have to do it. We've seen what John Bell, what John Bell Edwards, Governor of Louisiana, has done. Uh, again, another pro-life, pro-gun Democrat who's uh, doing great things in the state of Louisiana. He's, you know, they've expanded Medicaid. Kentucky did uh, before Matt Blevin. And, you know, we've seen the impact there on rural areas. Yes. I think that we have to do that. And, you know, I tell people, uh, and again, this is something when I think when you just talk about it, the Democrats and Republicans fundamentally uh, agree with. Mm-hmm. You know, if, we, if I try to talk about one policy that Bernie Sanders has said, you know, when he says anybody working 40 hours a week, and we'll paraphrase that, anybody working full time, they deserve access to health care to some type of policy. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I, I, I believe in that 100%. Um, I think going forward, if we're talking about the federal level and how we develop health care, I think the first thing we have to do is talk about our veterans and our seniors. We talk about health care and we talk about single parents. We talk about children, and they're very important and uh I was having a conversation with somebody that said that they supported Medicaid expansion, and then we got to talking about the VA, the Veterans Administration, and uh, uh, I had an uncle who lost a limb in, in Vietnam, and uh, he certainly is, is always on my mind and has been any time I hear that word, veteran, and uh, I just have always had an affinity for the Vietnam veterans, and anyway. They talk about the VA, and they said, no, I don't like the VA. That's, that's part of why the government doesn't need to be involved in health care. And I said, well, I just want to tell you, and this person was a Republican. I said, I get your point. I understand your sentiment. I said, but I'm going to disagree with you. I said, our VA centers 
should be treated as research hospitals. Uh, they should tie that in somehow with different university systems. Our VA hospitals should rival the Mayo Clinic. Every single veteran that's been our ally, I think of the Kurds, uh, obviously uh, anybody overseas that's helped us in the war on terror, they should want to come to our VA hospitals for the best care of the nation. Uh, Likewise, I do agree with something President Trump has done, the voucher for our veterans to get psychiatric care that they need. I, that's something I agree with. I think that works. And, you know, it's a disservice. We pump so much money into training soldiers to go in and to fight a war. But once they're done with, we just completely seem to ignore the need for deprogramming and for helping our veterans have some quality of life when they come back in as citizens of society. Oh, so certainly mental health care is one of the biggest issues, and I can tell you. Uh, Across the board. Yes, and the, the VA hospital here in Rutherford County, obviously we have thousands of Americans that move to Murfreesboro just to have access to that VA hospital. Oh, and, no doubt. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, and I'll tell you, I've, I've surveyed a lot of people and the vast majority of, of, of soldiers are pleased with the care that they receive at, at the right. at least at, at York, at Alvin C. York here in Rutherford right. County. Right. And um, but I agree with you, Matt. And, you know, who's paid the highest price during all this virus? It, the two the two groups you just pointed out, our veterans Absolutely. and our seniors are paying the highest price right now. Uh, Matt, let's move on real fast. We've, we've got Go just just a few minutes left. Sure. Poverty alleviation, poverty is uh, is still a big deal in mm-hmm. Tennessee in the Sequatchie Valley. Um, how do we? Uh, we have to have. Uh, how do we? How do we overcome this, Matt? I, there's been thousands of people before us mm-hmm. talk about this. And uh, but 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 what what do we need to to help the folks? Uh, get above the poverty line. Well, you know, one thing that I think that you have to do, and we talked about, you know, how there's a, a disconnect between the rural Democrat and the urban Democrat. But one issue that's the same, you know, broken homes, the opioid crisis, uh, crime rates, those things affect the urban area as much as they do, you know, the hills here in Appalachia. I think that you've got to target that. I think it's going to require welfare reform. Uh, I think that it's going to require some serious look into the opioid crisis, and I won't elaborate too much on that since we're pressed on time. But, uh, you know, even right now, you look at some of the inner cities that are crumbling. Again, you look at the bridges and the infrastructure in the south, Uh, you know, especially with this crisis right now. I think one thing that we got wrong during the recession of 2007 is, we need something like the CCC camp, uh, or the CCC, rather, that President Roosevelt put in place. Our people right now that are out of a job, that are unemployed, and especially those people that have came out of a generation of poverty and had a terrified, terrified about going back into that. I think now is the perfect time for Congress to put their heads together, to come together in a bipartisan fashion, and to get Trump to sign legislation where we put something like that together, a jobs corps, and we're rebuilding yep. our bridges, we're rebuilding our infrastructure, we're expanding broadband, we're cleaning up our water, and we're doing all these things that are so important for a rural area and for a impoverished urban area 
to compete in a competitive and what's now going to have to be, you know, a brand new, rebuilt, innovative 21st century economy. That's exactly right. I, you know, education is obviously the, a big part of, yeah. of poverty, Matt, but also just an opportunity is a big yeah. part. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this real quick. If you talk about education, I'm an educator. Anybody mm-hmm. listening, you know, I tell kids Tennessee Promise is a great program. Uh, there are so many jobs out there where there's a need, especially in the trade field. And, mm-hmm. you know, I went to university myself. I think anybody should reach for the limit. But, you know, I tell my kids that I teach, if you want to make money and have job security, there are great trade jobs. We will always have a demand. But I said, don't sell yourself short. Go to university, have that degree. I mean, you might find yourself in a, in a managerial type position or a field that you never even dreamed of. So I believe in trying to encourage our kids. But realistically, I think that, you know, we've got to let them know there are jobs out here. And, and just like you said, with tying in to that, uh, portrayal of education and letting people know, you know, hey, there's there's a way out of this. We believe in you. You know, you can change things around for your family, and you can be that first generation that gets that technical certificate, you know, that gets that good uh, uh, union job or, you know, goes down and joins the Boilermakers or the IBEW, becomes a lineman, whatever. Those jobs are out there. They're high-paying. They're in demand. And those are the jobs that we need to have every young man and woman who's come from a bad background and from a tough time, that's the fair shake we give them. Ned Ray said the best social program or social job, he said the best social program I know of is a good paying job. It's a good paying job. That's exactly right. right. Yes. And and it's a Democrat talking, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's great, Matt. Well, listen, this has been an awesome interview, Matt. I really appreciate it. There are so many other things that that I'd love to to talk about. But uh, absolutely. Anything else that you would like to add um, uh, for the people here that listen to the Man in the Middle podcast, Matt? Uh, I would just say it's okay to be a moderate. The moderate doesn't mean that you're wishy-washy. I tell some people that it's okay to have a buffet-style politics they're like what are you talking about i said well think about it you go to the buffet you know you don't get everything you don't want just what's down one line you like to pick and choose and you know the major parties in america have become so compartmentalized and limited and you know it's okay to be a free thinker uh but i think that and i and i've I've been guilty of this myself i'm not preaching uh i'm talking to myself when i say this i think we have to think about these issues that are going to affect future generations, future Tennesseans, our rural areas, our farmers, our educators, those that are in poverty. Uh, I think we have to work towards reform. And, you know, anybody that's interested, get out and vote. If you want to run for an office, run for an office. And I encourage people across all political lines to try to get out and to exercise your constitutional rights and your duties devote this Vice Chairman of the Bledsoe County Commission, Matt Colbert, thanks for joining the man in the middle today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Okay, buddy. Thank you. To the sound of a distant whippoorwill or the hum of a passing car. And it was where I first got up the nerve to steal me my first kiss. And it was where I learned to play guitar. And pray I had the gift. Back then.
still have our problems. Welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. Once again, we'd like to thank Mr. Matt Colbert for joining the program and letting us know what's going on with our neighbors over in Bledsoe County. It was an excellent interview, and I really appreciate a lot of the things that uh, Matt had to say. I hope you do, too. You know, folks, we've got a long road ahead of us. If this virus disappears tomorrow, we still have an economy uh, that is basically going to have to be rebuilt in a lot of cases at this point. Patience is what we need, folks. Patience and a lot of self-discipline to make sure that we can eradicate this thing once and for all and we can get back to doing the things that we love and being with the people that we love. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. I'll see you next week.